Good morning and welcome to Mornings with Marit. It feels like it's been forever. I think the last one I did was in May. So just maybe it's me getting reconnected with you guys. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to see everybody here from folks and have you online today. Um, I have a little bit of a different background, as you might notice. We've done some moving around at IIAT, so we're um, consolidating our space and, and use, getting better use of it as well. So I'm happy to be in this new little office, and if you're in town, come by and visit us. So today we're going to be talking about um, sort of that mid-year point. Here we are. Um, can't believe that it'll be actually August in another two weeks. That's shocking to me. Um, but what are we doing with our staff to sort of connect with them, sort of get that second wind for the year, um, especially with these dog days of summer that we're in? Um, I think we saw some charts yesterday about the ridiculous heat. I don't have to remind you about that. So if you're not in Texas right now, lucky you. Um, but as we go through today, if you have questions or comments, please put them in the feed. Um, Matt's going to be tracking those for us. So if you have something specific that you want to cover, let me know. I think we also have a couple handouts in there for you. So the handouts that I'm going to refer to are on our website. I'll go on our website. But also they're there so you can grab them and just drop them down for yourselves as well. So um, let's go ahead and get started. And what I'll begin with is just a reminder of what four things great managers do. Many of you are familiar with the book. We've all read it. Many of us have read it. If you haven't, you need to. Um, is when selecting the right person, you know, select for talent. It's not simply just experience, intelligence, or determination. Um, when you're setting expectations, which is one of the things we're going to be talking about today, is defining the right outcomes, not just the steps. When you're motivating someone, focus on strengths, not weaknesses. And when developing someone, let's help them find the right fit, not simply the next rung on the ladder. So these are the two areas that we're going to focus on today. Um, and I'll provide some very specific things that you can do, um, conversations that you can have, tools that you can use for actually goal setting, and we'll also share a little bit of some other folks' experiences and so forth. So here we are, middle of the year, time to regroup and work with people. But before we get into working with people, we just want to make sure, too, that the culture is right, okay? So as you know, we talk about there being a direct link between employee engagement and your actual performance as an organization. And which does drive stakeholder value at the end of the day. And so a lot of the concepts that I'm going to hit on today are in first break all the rules. I'm going to hit some other concepts as well. Um, but as you know, we like to think about when you're looking at your job and your career, it is like climbing a mountain and you have to do it in a certain order or you can be end up with what we call sort of that altitude sickness. And you may have to reset anytime there's a change in leadership, there's a change in your role, and it doesn't mean that you have to stay at the base camp very long, but if you don't get base camp questions answered and camp one questions answered, it makes the other parts of it really hard to do from a standpoint of learning and growing and working with the organization. So, you know, I might even challenge you to think about this for yourself right now. If you were on a scale of one to five, um, do you know what's expected of you? Do you have all the right material and equipment to do your job? Five would be, I, I strongly agree with those statements. Um, what about your employees? Would they agree with this as well? Um, at work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. And next month, we're going to really focus in and drill in on under, understanding your employees' strengths. And are you leveraging those? Have I received recognition and meaningful praise in the, in the last week? 
Does someone care about me? Does someone encourage my development? And then you move on up the mountain to, do my opinions count? Does the mission and the purpose of the company make me feel my job is important? That's really key, especially with some support roles, because they may not be out in front working with the clients every day. So are we sure that everybody knows how they fit into it? Um, my employees are committed to doing um, quality work, so we trust each other. And then the belonging piece of do I have a confidant at work, somebody who is sort of that best friend. And finally, the summit. In the last six months, someone's talked to me about my progress, which is what we're going to talk about today, right? So if the rest of these don't really connect, then talking about your progress might get you a little altitude sickness and do I have the opportunities to work, learn, and grow. So we're going to kind of talk about the summit today. Um, from a perspective of understanding and making sure that you've got the right information from your team members. So just a reminder, if the base camp's needs aren't met or addressed, then everything you do to further the journey really is irrelevant. So take some time, talk with your employees, check with yourself, and make sure that you're in the right place overall. I just did a, a group um, meeting a couple weeks ago and had a team in here and had them actually go through those questions and evaluate for themselves. And it was fascinating what they got out of it. And, and their leaders in their organizations kind of checking in with, wait a second, maybe I, I've got some base camp and camp one items that need to be really fleshed out and clarified so that I feel like I can be part of this organization that's growing and re-engineering and becoming innovative as well. So one of the things when we talk about outcomes is really getting good about not just saying this is how we do things and these are the steps, but really what the end result is. And, and I would use examples, for instance, even like when I think about a renewal for a client. It's not just about, hey, did we renew it and these are the steps that we're going to do, but what's the experience that we want for this client in the process? So I think about sometimes when I'm putting together a team on a renewal for, let's say, a large client, a smaller client, doesn't really matter, and have the team actually talk before we jump into the all the what's and the how's and so forth. Let's sit down and talk about what does this experience look like? What does success look like? What's the outcome that tells us? What's the experience for this client that says this is the right outcome? And it's amazing what a different level conversation you're having with people. Or thinking about your goals for the year or a project that you might be going through, whatever that might look like. Um, but what we talk about is with employees is helping them find their own path of least resistance toward the desired outcome, because there are some painful ways to go about it. And so that's that point of not superimposing your own path to get there. And I will tell you, sometimes that takes an enormous amount of discipline because I've seen people do things at times and I'm like, I would never do it that way. But the end result was just fine. So sometimes as a manager, you've got to step back and say, are we going to get there? It's just not the way I would have done it. Or is it really you're going about things the wrong way? Um, the other thing we talk about great managers is that they create tension. So when you're setting goals, it's about encouraging people to stretch a little bit, right? So I know if you haven't done goal setting in your organization, that can be pretty scary in of itself. People are, well, what if I write it down and then, we can't achieve it. What are the consequences of that? And so I always, when I'm starting goal setting with teams for the first time, I say, let's make this your address rehearsal. Let's just give it a couple tries out there and see what works. Um, and we'll adjust it based on what makes sense 
for the team. And that does take a certain amount of trust for the group to get there. But when people set goals, then what we want to do is inspire them to stretch just a little bit further and create that tension there. Um, and so setting the right outcomes does expect a lot of our employees, um, but there's probably no better way to nurture self-awareness and self-reliance in your people. So making sure that people can actually be part of that process, you're building it together, you're, you're talking about what challenges you're going to have as you go. Um, I love this comment that, you know, any attempt to impose the best one way is absolutely doomed to fail. Um, it's inefficient, for one thing. The best one way will fight against people's unique abilities. Um, I know even for me, trying to build these presentations on a monthly basis, my team is, I think they just show up to watch this to see if I actually built it because they know a day or two in advance, I'm still trying to mull through and waiting for sort of that inspiration to kick it off. I'm a quick start, so I know last minutes when it's going to come together for me. But if somebody said to me, no, Mart, we need to see your draft well in advance, we need to see what the outline is, two things would happen. One, it probably wouldn't be my best work, and B, um, I'd probably change it in the end anyway. Where others of you might say, actually, for me to do it the best way, I've got to put together an outline, I've got to do the research, I want to practice it in advance. So letting people understand what that is and what that path is is really an important thing. But one of the things, so I'm just going to read this because I think it's important here. First, it's inefficient. The best, the one best way has to fight against the unique creative talents possessed by each individual. Second, it's demeaning. I thought that was interesting. By providing all the answers, it prevents each individual from perfecting and taking responsibility for their own style. And third, it kills learning which I think is key. Every time you make a rule, you take away a choice, and a choice with all its illuminating repercussions is the fuel for learning. So we want to create that environment that absolutely allows people to try different things because that's how you learn. I mean, my staff has heard me a million times say, just let them try. If they fail, they'll learn. It's okay. So um, they'll never do it again, right? <laughs> so that, that's how that works. So, you know, our challenge is not to perfect people the way that we would, but to capitalize on people's um, uniqueness and so forth. And so a, another reminder, too, is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, you know, we don't want to over-engineer, but we absolutely want to be clear on what the end result is, what does success look like. And by the way, um, as you know, if you look at a goal – or an outcome, and it's not clear what the end result is, and we could debate at the end of the day whether we achieved it or not, it's probably not a good goal. So you want to be able to, what does it look like? How can we demonstrate it? Can we measure it, which would be even better, um, and so forth. And then just a reminder at the end of the day that, frankly, the customer is the ultimate judge of value. So you may not love exactly how something happened, but if the client loves it, that's the ultimate judge at the end of the day from a standpoint of looking at goals and so forth. So let's talk about um, mid-year, mid okay? Um, some of you might say, well, Mark, we don't really have specifically clear goals, and so I'm not even sure where to begin this conversation. So one of the things that I will always recommend is to try and create an environment where you're talking about goals, um, and so forth in a team dynamic, not just individual. It, first of all, there's an accountability that naturally happens when a team puts their goals together or shares them individually with each other. 
um, as opposed to just one-on-ones, besides the fact that you save yourself hours and hours of time. So imagine that you have a team meeting. Before the meeting, you ask everybody, look, I'd like you to look at the past six months. Write down some notes. and We have this actual document that is one of your handouts. I'll show you where it is on the website as well. But have them do a little bit of pre-work. What I want you to do is just jot some ideas around what some of your accomplishments are. What are some of the disappointments that you've had the last six months? What are some skills you've learned? Now, you could do this as part of this midterm and then stretch it out, have them build on it, and it becomes the annual review process, um, which is a great way for the team to share it. What experience have I gained? What relationships have helped me develop and have contributed to my success? Um, What, from a standpoint of career aspirations might I have? So that might be interesting to do maybe in a group setting or individually, or is there anything other important thing that you'd like us to know? So what I tend to do is have everybody prep for it, put together their ideas, and then I put them in a room, and we actually go through it and share it. And what I find is the team is amazingly supportive. They just wrap around each other. What will happen is somebody will say, well, these are my accomplishments, and, and the team will literally say, oh, but don't you remember you also did X, Y, and Z, or we did X, Y, and Z. Or maybe even more importantly with the disappointments, I consider it sort of the cathartic part of the meeting because I'll say, you know, my disappointments this last year have been I just haven't gotten to see my teammates as well. Or we lost an account that was so important. And other teammates will jump in and say, yeah, I feel the same way. So there's an element there of sharing that can be really key from a standpoint of you sharing with each other, feeding it, and, and having a conversation in a team dynamic versus just a one-on-one conversation. Um, some of you are smaller organizations, so one onesie, twosies might make more sense. Um, but if you're not doing this at least once a year, please make sure you are, because it's amazing what you can actually go through the process and talk about. So I do have a fun story. Um, one of our agencies in the last month tried it out. I said, just give it a try. They've never done it before. And they have about eight or nine employees, so it's, it's a nice size organization. And so I'm just going to share with you the email that she sent me afterwards from Heather. And she said it was an awesome meeting. The group was supportive of one another. They commiserated with struggles and disappointments. They encouraged one another on goals and accomplishments. Everyone was honest in failings, and most were interested in improving those areas the upcoming 12 months. And then she comments that her partner, Mike, said it was the best meeting we have ever had. So if you've never done it from a standpoint of goal setting or group reviews, this is a great way to just take a baby step into the review process. So thanks, Heather, for your story. It's always fun to hear when you think things will work out. They do. Um, And I know you'll be doing more and more of those conversations as well. So when we think about goal setting, we always want to think about, you know, looking back, You know, what have we done? What discoveries have we made? What relationships have we built? Which I think is a key question. You saw it on the prior stuff. Um, But then revisit, right? So what's the main focus moving forward? What are we going to discover next? What relationships are we going to build to make things successful? Um, And remembering that relationships are are what make the world go around. So we definitely want to make sure that we're encouraging our people to continue to expand and grow and so forth. So when it... Just as a reminder, and this comes out of the book Traction, if you didn't watch the launch 2022 um, Mornings with Mara, you want sort of a revisit on goal setting. That one is from February. It's on the Mornings with Mara page on IIT.org. 
Um, but one of the things that I always want to capture out of this is humans have a short attention span. Um, so they tend to lose focus in, beyond 90 days. So when you are doing some of these meetings and goal setting, I think about doing it in shorter bursts. Let's do it in 90 days. Let's figure out that, it, that it's, it's palatable, it's manageable, three to five goals, um, be very specific about the success, and then get on, get after it, and so forth. Okay. So here's actually, when I'm doing goals with people, this is a really easy process to have them do. Like I said, I wouldn't do more than three, four, or five. If you've never done it before, choose two. doesn't really matter. Um, but you want them to clarify what the specific objective, um, objective is. Um, you guys have all heard about SMART goals, so being specific, measurable, um, attainable, realistic or relevant to what your current goals are, and then time-bound. But I also throw in this other item that says, well, why does the goal matter? Why is it even important to us and to you? Because if it's not, if we don't have conviction behind that goal and really believe it's important, other stuff will take priority. So it's also a gut check to say, is this just activities that we're doing, or is this really critical? So don't forget to do that question that says, why does this goal matter to us and to them individually? And then, of course, how are you going to measure it? Can we figure that out? Um, and then what are some strategies we're going to employ to achieve that goal? And then I love this last one, which is who are you going to ask to help you? Um, because you're always going to be more effective if you've got a team member who is a resource for you. or And it could be somebody outside the organization. It could be somebody within, it could be a supervisor, it could be a peer, really doesn't matter, but who is it that's going to have to be your partner in helping achieve that and be part of the process as well? And then you need to go tell them, I need your help. So that's a key piece. So if you do this in a team dynamic and have everyone share it, what, what's interesting is, you know, somebody will say, oh, I can help you with that. I can get X, Y, and Z for you, um, as opposed to feeling like I'm not clear and imagine if everybody were sitting around, you just went through what the last year has looked like, you're looking at what your next 90 days are, the entire team knows what we're focused on, that alignment makes a huge difference and we know how to help each other um, and so forth. And, and you'll also hear me talk a little bit in a minute about at the bottom here, decide on the routine for progress check-ins. So some people will say, you know what, I'm fine just waiting till the next quarter to meet. And then you might have some employees that say, you know, it would be really helpful if we met every other week or weekly or once a month to check in on things. So that to me is really an area of the team can check in, but you could also say where, where, how much and how often do you need help from me when it comes to checking in and helping you stay motivated on track with your goals. So on a quarterly basis, of course, you look at those goals, celebrate your successes. And then this is really important, is if a goal was incomplete, taking the time to evaluate why. Um, it could be there isn't enough conviction in the room to, to focus on the goal. It could be that somebody doesn't have the skill set to do it. It may be that they didn't get the support that they needed. So really taking the time when a goal is not complete, not in a punitive discussion, but to dissect it and go, okay, if we aren't able to get this over the finish line, what's really happening? And do we, what do we need to do? Do we need to move it into the next quarter? Do we kill it? It wasn't <laughs> critical enough. Now that we see it, it's not as important now that we have a little time behind us. 
Do we need to put it on a fast track and create sort of a sprint thing where it's a weekly check-in? Or is it really need to be reassigned? And I don't think of that as failure, guys. I really don't. Like, we can have a goal that somebody's assigned to it and they're maybe just overcommitted. Um, or it just doesn't make sense that it's theirs or they don't have the right, like I said, skill to do it. But sometimes you have to reassign it. And you have to, if you've got the right culture, it's not about failure. It's about progress and making the team stronger at the end of the day. Again, I wouldn't do more than three or five goals per quarter. So you keep them, they call them rocks in the book. These are the rocks we're going to do. Make sure that at the end of the meeting, it's very clear who's going to do what and make sure that you're focusing on people's strengths. So I was with a group a couple weeks ago, and one of the things we did was as they were redistributing some of the work, we were focusing on, well, who's best suited to take on these tasks as opposed to just assuming that the function would transfer to one person or another? Who's going to thrill by this project or this initiative that would be the best suited for it? And then, of course, making sure you have the right check-ins. So on our website, this is behind the fire wall, so you have to log in actually to get to these. But I'm going to go ahead and bring the website over here for just a second so you can see what's available. So here's our handy-dandy um, website. You can go over here and go over to agency operations. And under agency operations, we've got a million, million toolkits and pieces of information, but what I'm going to focus on for just a minute is under human resources. And then we're going to go to performance management is, is the actual page we're going to go to here. So a lot of what I just talked about is actually in here. So this is a great way to it's talking about the annual review, but as we just said, it could easily be a, a midterm point. Um, we actually have this annual review document that you can reference and grab. And like I said, it's also a handout that you can see here, move it over here. That's what it looks like. So it might say, let's identify our goals. Then you're going to look at what are my accomplishments, disappointments. So it's a soft copy. Anyone can work on there. And so this is a good tool and resource from a standpoint of comp keeping it alive throughout the year. So you can do a mid-year point and then have you at the end of the year do an update on it and bring it back because sometimes we just remember the last 90 days anyway. So this would be a good capture along the way with your team on how things work. Okay. In a little bit, I'm going to talk about when performance isn't working. So while I'm on this page, I'm going to share with you this performance improvement plan document that we have. Um, and this is addressing something that's not working. And one of the things we'll talk about in a second is, you know, addressing failure Addressing in poor performance quickly and off when it's needed is really a key piece. So I love this document. It's something that helps you go through the process of preparing for it. Um, I always say, you know, think about if you've got a poor performer on your team. If you don't address it, it, you will eventually become resentful of the situation or your employees will, your high performers. And we become resentful when we are guilty <laughs> of not actually addressing it. So sometimes you have to start these meetings by saying, you know, I should have addressed the situation a long time ago and I let it run, ride itself out. And now, now we're at this point. So if you feel like, boy, how do I even bring it up? I, I think a few of you heard me say, I read a book a couple years ago and it said, 
If you're dealing with poor performance, you need to address it within five days of it happening or you've kind of lost your opportunity. I like the rule around it, the guide that says, you know, you might have to sleep on it, but doing it quicker is better. Um, if you don't address it, then you kind of have to wait. If it never happens again, then it's kind of irrelevant. If it does happen again, then that's the point that reminds you, okay, this time don't let it pass by without doing it. But this document forces you to sit down prior to the meeting and think about, first of all, what is the desired outcome of this conversation? Um, and if you lead with that in the meeting, I think in the culture code it talks about that, create that future connection. So the desired outcome of this conversation make it up, Matt, is that we have a really successful 2022-23 based on the fact that you're here and you're dependable and you're available to your team and the team has a strong dynamic. That's what we're going to lead with. Then go into the description of the situation and then you want to reference, okay, well, what, what? let's say he's not doing what he should do and people don't trust his work anymore. Well, part of our value um, is that there's integrity in everything that we do. Well, if there is an integrity, then it's tied to that value. Um, and then, of course, why do we even have that value in the first place? Like the whole comment here and theme around why. Then during the meeting, you'll actually talk about the issue, document the explanation, what's contributed to the situation. You might even have contributed to the situation by not addressing it. Um, figure out the commitment for the employee to correct and then you have the follow-up action items. And then I always say when you leave these meetings, put the follow-up meeting on the calendar immediately. Because we know two weeks goes by, three weeks, six weeks, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh. We said we were going to come back and address it in 30 days. It's been three months. And the employee doesn't know where they stand. You're frustrated. So make sure that you do those follow-up action items. Be clear about consequences because sometimes we're vague. Um, especially if we don't like conflict, and then always ask how you can help to be more successful. So if you're looking for a tool and a resource for having a you know performance improvement discussion, um, this is a good tool and a guide to use as well. So hopefully that was helpful um, from the crew out there, and it is one of your handouts. So let me go back to the slides. We do this all right today. I'll be kind of impressed. All right. <laughs> um, also, we have goal worksheets. So it's not sometimes, you know, we talk about the end result. Um, for sales specifically, if you know your metrics, um, if you want specific help on this one, let us know. Um, we can send it to you. Um, but this actually help, forces you to break down what your closing ratio is all the way from how many contacts it takes to actually get an appointment and how many appointments allow you to get to the proposal stage and how many proposals or quotes actually lead to closing, which will help basically take a bite out of uh, a, a goal for a salesperson down to the activity level that you need to be working at. So if someone's not achieving their end result in sales, sometimes it's about managing activities and then understanding why aren't you able to close? What's happening with that? What, when does it work? When does it not? Studying it and so forth. So make sure you use the resources that are available um, from a perspective of tracking and so forth your goals. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about is motivating. Um, and, and, you know, the big piece around here is starting to understand that you're focusing on people's strengths and not just managing around their weaknesses. And I think even in one of the comments is, is if you spend most of your time managing around somebody's weaknesses, then you probably have a casting error. 
um, their role is not right for them, it's not suited for them. You want to be able to put somebody in a position that they can use their talents every day and be talented at what they do. So if you want to turn talent into performance, you have to position each person so that you are paying them to do what they're naturally wired to do. So if you don't understand what that is or it's unclear, and, and we'll talk about that next month, I'll get real deep into it with a few different assessments. But the trigger for me would be is if you're constantly thinking, boy, I wish they would just name it, be more organized or be more detailed, detailed or be more spontaneous or more adaptable, they're probably just not wired for it. So can you put them in a role that says, boy, if you're not detail-oriented, then let's not force you to be detail-oriented. Or if you're super detail-oriented and somebody's like, gee, I wish you just wouldn't be in the weeds that deeply, well, maybe we need to put them in a role that does celebrate the fact that they're researchers and detailed. And is there a way that you can actually leverage that strength for them as well? Um, we also talk about asking employees about their goals. So you guys have heard me talk about this many, many times. Um, and then I love this one. So if you don't know the answer to this for your employees, this would be a great conversation to have mid-year so that it's part of your path forward, which is asking them, what's the most meaningful recognition that you ever received and what made it so memorable and why? And in a minute, I'm going to have a page that actually has interview questions that are it's called your strengths interview that helps you dig in and get to know your employees just a little bit better. But I think it's fascinating when I understand exactly what's meaningful to somebody and we can use that. I think I've, I've read it somewhere. It's like your job as a manager is not to motivate, but it's certainly not to demotivate. <laughs> so let's make sure we know um, what's actually meaningful for our employees and so forth. Um, a reminder um, that you should be spending the most time with your most productive employees. So if you feel like you're spending a lot of time with your poor performers, you might want to think about why that is. First of all, you're sending a message to your employees that, hey, if you're making mistakes and you're a poor performer, you're going to get my attention and time. I want people to understand that I'm going to spend the most time with my most productive employees, not talking about their work necessarily, but their goals and their vision and making sure they've got the resources that they need to expand and develop. Um, so it's not about managing, it's about being a resource and helping them see the future. Um, I love this reminder here, which is be, become as articulate at describing excellence as you are at describing failure. We are great at describing failure, whether it's in a personal relationship, um, whether it's in a business forum, but can we actually describe what excellence looks like? And again, that reminds us of what's the outcome that you're looking for as well. And then as we've mentioned already, you really poor performance must be confronted head on. We all know it. It's one of those ugly little secrets in life that sometimes we just don't want to deal with it. Um, and you don't have to deal with everything, but if it's, if it's consistent and it, there's a theme, there's a pattern, um, you know, I would just challenge you to take the time this next week. If there's poor performance that you have not addressed, that can be one of the most motivating factors for a team is when you remove poor performance around them. So your high performers are actually excited about being on the team. All right. So you might want to take a picture of this screen. Of course, we'll have this available as well. This is in the book. Um, first break all the rules. If it's one of the versions, I know there's a couple out there, but it's around page 250. 
But this kind of talks about, look, on a, on a, at least an annual basis, taking the time with your employees to understand their strengths. And I love this first question. What keeps you here? Do you know what it is for all of your employees? So, I, you know, taking the time, and you could do this in a group environment too. Um, I, I still think this is something that might be valuable as a team, not just individually, but understanding what are your strengths, what do you see them as, what do you think your weaknesses are. Uh, again, reminder, if some of these feels like, to me, one of my weaknesses would be I'm not uber organized or very consistent about the way that I do things. But if my job doesn't require it very often, then it doesn't really show up as a weakness very often. So when we think somebody's got a weakness, the point is how do we adjust a role to, to put them in a position of strength as much as possible? What are your current goals for your role? That may be a little bit different than what they're, they're tracking to, but like how do you know that you're successful? Um, how often would you like to meet? So some people like to meet regularly. Some people are like, nah, I'm good once every six months. Um, but asking them that question. Uh, any personal goals you'd like to tell me about? Uh, again, we talked about praise, um, asking about productive partnerships and relationships. This is about learning. How can I be effective as a team member with you? And what, what can I do to support you there? Talking about future growth and career goals. And then just an open, is there anything else you might want to talk about as we work to, to help us work together better? So making sure we take the time to do that as a team and then also taking the time on this, the, the, the career perspective, right? So how would you describe success in your current role? What, what do you do that makes you good at who you are? This is a different set of questions. What part of your current role do you enjoy the most? What are you struggling with? And what would be the perfect role for you? And that starts to play with some creativity there around, and I like this comment here, imagine you're in that role, it's 3 p.m. on a Thursday, what are you doing? Why would you like it so much? Um, you know, that might help you clarify how to help someone tweak and get excited about their careers and so forth. So that kind of takes me to thinking about people and humans and what they're needing right now. And in a study that was just done recently, they're talking about well-being. And we've all heard it, right? I mean, we hear about people talking about their health and well-being constantly now. Um, but there's several ways that people are looking for well-being. It might be financial and making sure that we're set up correctly from that standpoint. Um, it could be your mental health and well-being. So these may be some questions you might want to ask your team. How are you feeling from a financial, mental, social, that's the company culture, your work-life balance, the physical well-being as well. So are we keeping ourselves healthy and so forth? And then finally, your career well-being which is essentially what we're covering today. But again, going back to that holistic idea of do you know your team? Um, are you set up to understand it? Are you having these kinds of conversations and how do you build them into your regular um, team meetings and your goal setting? And wouldn't it be interesting if you had 90-day goals around one or two of these things with the group so that they felt like they were connecting in a different way especially since they're probably not seeing each other as much as they could. I did think this was a fun, interesting nugget of information that came out in one of these studies as well that talked about as leaders, what are the top power skills for 2022? Not a surprise here at all, I'm sure. Um, but number one is being resilient and adaptable. Um, and so if you're struggling with that, you might find people on the team who are actually going with the flow and feeling better with that. And how can you leverage their strengths for that? Technology skills, 
obviously a must nowadays, even more so communication across remote and distributed teams, emotional intelligence, cross-functional. I think it's fascinating to hear this, right? Leading through change, change management, dealing with stress, time management, creativity. So you might check the team, feel like how your leadership team is doing in these things, because this really does talk about from what we need right now with our organizations is to be in this place offering these kinds of resources and making sure that we're delivering and presenting these skills on a regular basis for our teams. So we're just about to wrap up. Um, I did want to talk about a book real quickly with you. Um, you. Many of you have seen Vanessa Van Edwards speak with us before. She's a great speaker, but she has a great book out called um, Cues. So here it is. Um, if you are in Austin or you want a book, we have them. So you can let us know you want it. We'll be happy to send it over to you. Um, but it talks about, she talks about the difference between being warm and competent. And on the right side, you can sort of say, she says, do a quick test by choosing which column sounds more like you. Um, competent would be impressive, powerful, smart, capable, and expert and effective. Warm would be trustworthy, collaborative, kind, compassionate, a team player, open. And what they... She talks about in her book is how if you combine the two, you actually end up in that charisma mode. Um, but what I love about the book as I was getting ready for this meeting today and kind of glancing through it is that it reminds us different techniques, whether it's in writing or speaking, um, of what warm people need versus what competent people need in the way that we communicate with them. So just as a for instance, it would so she says, you know, warm people seek inspiration. Competent people seek information. So when it, we talk about a competent friend, for instance, we might say, you're so interesting. You always give the best advice. I knew you would know what to do. I love working with you on projects. Those would be competence-type comments, where with, with warm people, they are, they're going to want to hear comments like, you're the best. You know how to get the party started. You always make me feel so comfortable. I love opening up with you. I trust you. Um, and what she talks about in here is how if somebody's real warm and you approach them from a competence side, you'll actually fall flat and vice versa. Um, if I'm real co the competent style and you're just trying to be playful and warm and fun, um, you actually can miss the mark there too and can be demotivating. So I think there's some fascinating tips here on communication, writing skills, emails, verbal cues, nonverbal cues that can actually help you be potentially more effective with your own team and what people need from that standpoint. So wrapping it up here, um, focus on the outcomes, not just telling people what the right steps are. Um, I encourage you to leverage the team environment. And so Matt, let me know if we have any questions or comments that people have. Um, understand your empl individual employees' communication needs. So we kind of touched on that at the end. And then when motivating someone, focus on their strengths. Um, that's much more motivating than trying to shore up people's weaknesses that probably you're not going to be too successful at anyway. So next month, we're going to talk about leveraging your team's mem team members' strengths. So think things like Colby, Gallup Strengths Finders, the Why, How, What assessments, um, others of you use DISC and so forth, so that'll be a fun conversation. Um, I think now that if you've registered for Mornings with Mart, it just sits on your calendar, so you don't have to register individually. But if you want to get somebody else hooked in, that's great. And then next week, I will be with um, 
Kim Hudson doing a lunch and learn on Tuesday, and I'm going to talk about taking the risk out of selling. So if you want to attend that, please go ahead and register. That's for free and available to you guys. And hopefully that was a worthwhile 40 minutes of your lives, um, which you will never get back, unfortunately. Um, but please let us know if you've got anything. Matt, is there anything that we want to pop out here before we wrap up? Nope. Again, uh, I didn't see any questions. Oh, wait, something just popped up. <clears throat> Somebody asked if it's recorded. Yes, it is. It has been recorded. And later today, you should be getting an email with a link to the recording. Also, those handouts you referenced, you can get them on the website like Mart showed you, but you can also download them real quickly from the handouts bar right here. Um, you should also be getting a follow-up email um, from GoToWebinar with links to those. Great. Good. And if you have any specific questions, you guys know how to reach me. It's mpeters at iiat.org. So if you need any specific questions answered, happy to help you guys. Thank you for your membership. Thank, for thank you for joining us today. Have a great day. We'll see you in August. Maybe it'll be a little cooler. <laughs>
and which does drive stakeholder value at the end of the day. And so a lot of the concepts that I'm going to hit on today are in first break all the rules. I'm going to hit some other concepts as well. Um, but as you know, we like to think about when you're looking at your job and your career, it is like climbing a mountain and you have to do it in a certain order or you can be end up with what we call sort of that altitude sickness. And you may have to reset anytime there's a change in leadership, there's a change in your role, and it doesn't mean that you have to stay at the base camp very long, but if you don't get base camp questions answered and camp one questions answered, it makes the other parts of it really hard to do from a standpoint of learning and growing and working with the organization. So, you know, I might even challenge you to think about this for yourself right now. If you were on a scale of one to five, um, do you know what's expected of you? Do you have all the right material and equipment to do your job? Five would be, I, I strongly agree with those statements. Um, what about your employees? Would they agree with this as well? Um, at work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. And next month, we're going to really focus in and drill in on under, understanding your employees' strengths. And are you leveraging those? Have I received recognition and meaningful praise in the, in the last week? Does someone care about me? Does someone encourage my development? And then you move on up the mountain to, do my opinions count? Does the mission and the purpose of the company make me feel my job is important? That's really key, especially with some support roles, because they may not be out in front working with the clients every day. So are we sure that everybody knows how they fit into it? Um, my employees are committed to doing um, quality work, so we trust each other. And then the belonging piece of, do I have a confidant at work? Somebody who is sort of that best friend. And finally, the summit. In the last six months, someone's talked to me about my progress, which is what we're going to talk about today, right? So if the rest of these don't really connect, then talking about your progress might get you a little altitude sickness. And do I have the opportunities to work, learn, and grow? So we're going to kind of talk about the summit today. Um, from a perspective of understanding and making sure that you've got the right information from your team members. So just a reminder, if the base camp's needs aren't met or addressed, then everything you do to further the journey really is irrelevant. So take some time, talk with your employees, check with yourself, and make sure that you're in the right place overall. I just did a, a group um, meeting a couple weeks ago and had a team in here and had them actually go through those questions and evaluate for themselves. And it was fascinating what they got out of it. And, and their leaders in their organizations kind of checking in with, wait a second, maybe I, I've got some base camp and camp one items that need to be really fleshed out and clarified so that I feel like I can be part of this organization that's growing and re-engineering and becoming innovative as well. So one of the things when we talk about outcomes is really getting good about not just saying this is how we do things and these are the steps, but really what the end result is. And, and I would use examples, for instance, even like when I think about a renewal for a client. It's not just about, hey, did we renew it? And these are the steps that we're going to do. But what's the experience that we want for this client in the process? So I think about sometimes when I'm putting together a team on a renewal for, let's say, a large client, a smaller client, doesn't really matter and have the team actually talk before we jump into the all the what's and the how's and so forth. Let's sit down and talk about what does this experience look like? What does success look like? What's the outcome that tells us? What's the experience for this client that says this is the right outcome? And it's amazing what a different level conversation you're having with people. 
or thinking about your goals for the year or a project that you might be going through, whatever that might look like. Um, but what we talk about is with employees is helping them find their own path of least resistance toward the desired outcome because there are some painful ways to go about it. And so that's that point of not superimposing your own path to get there. And I will tell you, sometimes that takes an enormous amount of discipline because I've seen people do things at times and I'm like, I would never do it that way. But the end result was just fine. So sometimes as a manager, you've got to step back and say, are we going to get there? If it's just not the way I would have done it, or is it really you're going about things the wrong way? Um, the other thing we talk about great managers is that they create tension. So when you're setting goals, it's about encouraging people to stretch a little bit, right? So I know if you haven't done goal setting in your organization, that can be pretty scary in of itself. People are, well, what if I write it down and then you can't achieve it? What are the consequences of that? And so I always, when I'm starting goal setting with teams for the first time, I say, let's make this your address rehearsal. Let's just give it a couple tries out there and see what works. Um, and we'll adjust it based on what makes sense for the team. And that does take a certain amount of trust for the group to get there. But when people set goals, then what we want to do is inspire them to stretch just a little bit further and create that tension there. Um, and so setting the right outcomes does expect a lot of our employees, um, but there's probably no better way to nurture self-awareness and self-reliance in your people. So making sure that people can actually be part of that process, you're building it together, you're, you're talking about what challenges you're going to have, as you go. Um, I love this comment that, you know, any attempt to impose the best one way is absolutely doomed to fail. Um, it's inefficient for one thing. The best one way will fight against people's unique abilities. Um, I know even for me trying to build these presentations on a monthly basis, my team is, I think they just show up to watch this to see if I actually built it because they know a day or two in advance, I'm still trying to mull through and waiting for sort of that inspiration to kick it off. I'm a quick start, so I know last minutes when it's going to come together for me. But if somebody said to me, no, Mart, we need to see your draft well in advance, we need to see what the outline is, two things would happen. One, it probably wouldn't be my best work. And B, um, I'd probably change it in the end anyway. Where others of you might say, actually, for me to do it the best way, I've got to put together an outline. I've got to do the research. I want to practice it in advance. So letting people understand what that is and what that path is, is really an important thing. But one of the things, so I'm just going to read this because I think it's important here. First, it's inefficient. The best, the one best way has to fight against the unique creative talents possessed by each individual. Second, it's demeaning. I thought that was interesting. By providing all the answers, it prevents each individual from perfecting and taking responsibility for their own style. And third, it kills learning, which I think is key. Every time you make a rule, you take away a choice. And a choice with all its illuminating repercussions is the fuel for learning. So we want to create that environment that absolutely allows people to try different things because that's how you learn. I mean, my staff is heard me a million times say, just let them try. If they fail, they'll learn. It's okay. So um, they'll never do it again, right? <laughs> so that, that's how that works. So, you know, our challenge is not to perfect people the way that we would, but to capitalize on people's um, uniqueness and so forth. And so 
another reminder too is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, you know, we don't want to over-engineer, but we absolutely want to be clear on what the end result is, what does success look like. And by the way, um, as you know, if you look at a goal or an outcome and it's not clear what the end result is and we could debate at the end of the day whether we achieved it or not, it's probably not a good goal. So you want to be able to, what does it look like? How can we demonstrate it? Can we measure it, which would be even better, um, and so forth. And then just a reminder at the end of the day that, frankly, the customer is the ultimate judge of value. So you may not love exactly how something happened, but if the client loves it, that's the ultimate judge at the end of the day from a standpoint of looking at goals and so forth. So let's talk about um, mid-year, okay? Um, Some of you might say, well, Mark, we don't really have – specifically clear goals. And so I'm not even sure where to begin this conversation. So one of the things that I will always recommend is to try and create an environment where you're talking about goals um, and so forth in a team dynamic, not just individual. First of all, there's an accountability that naturally happens when a team puts their goals together or shares them individually with each other. Um, as opposed to just one-on-ones, besides the fact that you save yourself hours and hours of time. So imagine that you have a team meeting. Before the meeting, you ask everybody, look, I'd like you to look at the past six months. Write down some notes, and we have this actual document that is one of your handouts. I'll show you where it is on the website as well. But have them do a little bit of pre-work. What I want you to do is just jot some ideas around what some of your accomplishments are. What are some of the disappointments that you've had the last six months? What are some skills you've learned? Now, you could do this as part of this midterm and then stretch it out, have them build on it, and it becomes the annual review process, um, which is a great way for the team to share it. What experience have I gained? What relationships have helped me develop and have contributed to my success? Um, What, from a standpoint of career aspirations, might I have? So that might be interesting to do maybe in a group setting or individually, or is there anything other important thing that you'd like us to know? So what I tend to do is have everybody prep for it, put together their ideas, and then I put them in a room, and we actually go through it and share it. And what I find is the team is amazingly supportive. They just wrap around each other. What will happen is somebody will say, well, these are my accomplishments, and, and the team will literally say, oh, but don't you remember? You also did X, Y, and Z, or we did X, Y, and Z. Or maybe even more importantly with the disappointments, I consider it sort of the cathartic part of the meeting because I'll say, you know, my disappointments this last year have been I just haven't gotten to see my teammates as well. Or we lost an account that was so important. And other teammates will jump in and say, yeah, I feel the same way. So there's an element there of sharing that can be really key from a standpoint of you sharing with each other, feeding it, and, and having a conversation in a team dynamic versus just a one-on-one conversation. Um, some of you are smaller organizations, so one onesies, twosies might make more sense. Um, but if you're not doing this at least once a year, please make sure you are, because it's amazing what you can actually go through the process and talk about. So I do have a fun story. Um, one of our agencies in the last month tried it out. I said, just give it a try. They'd never done it before. And they have about eight or nine employees, so it's, it's a nice size organization. And so I'm just going to share with you the email that she sent me afterwards from Heather, and she said it was an awesome meeting. The group was supportive of one another. 
They commiserated with struggles and disappointments. They encouraged one another on goals and accomplishments. Everyone was honest in failings, and most were interested in improving those areas the upcoming 12 months. And then she comments that her partner, Mike, said it was the best meeting we have ever had. So if you've never done it from a standpoint of goal setting or group reviews, this is a great way to just take a baby step into the review process. So thanks, Heather, for your story. It's always fun to hear when you think things will work out. They do. Um, and I know you'll be doing more and more of those conversations as well. So when we think about goal setting, we always want to think about, you know, looking back, you know, what have we done? What discoveries have we made? What relationships have we built? Which I think is a key question. You saw it on the prior stuff. Um, but then revisit, right? So what's the main focus moving forward? What are we going to discover next? What relationships are we going to build um, to make things successful? Um, and remembering that relationships are, are what make the world go round. So we definitely want to make sure that we're encouraging our people to continue to expand and grow and so forth. So when it, just as a reminder, and this comes out of the book Traction, if you didn't watch the launch 2022 um, Mornings with Marit, you want sort of a revisit on goal setting. That one is from February. It's on the Mornings with Marit page on IIT.org. Um, but one of the things that I always want to capture out of this is humans have a short attention span. Um, so they tend to lose focus in, beyond 90 days. So when you are doing some of these meetings and goal setting, I think about doing it in shorter bursts. Let's do it in 90 days. Let's figure out that, it, that it's, it's palatable, it's manageable, three to five goals, um, be very specific about the success, and then get on, get after it, and so forth. Okay. So here's actually, when I'm doing goals with people, this is a really easy process to have them do. Like I said, I wouldn't do more than three, four, or five. If you've never done it before, choose two. doesn't really matter. Um, but you want them to clarify what the specific objective, um, objective is. Um, you guys have all heard about SMART goals, so being specific, measurable, um, attainable, realistic or relevant to what your current goals are, and then time-bound. But I also throw in this other item that says, well, why does the goal matter? Why is it even important to us and to you? Because if it's not, if we don't have conviction behind that goal and, and really believe it's important, other stuff will take priority. So it's also a gut check to say, is this just activities that we're doing, or is this really critical? So don't forget to do that question that says, why does this goal matter to us and to them individually? And then, of course, how are you going to measure it? Can we figure that out? Um, and then what are some strategies we're going to employ to achieve that goal? And then I love this last one, which is who are you going to ask to help you? Um, because you're always going to be more effective if you've got a team member who is a resource for you. or And it could be somebody outside the organization. It could be somebody within, it could be a supervisor, it could be a peer, really doesn't matter, but who is it that's going to have to be your partner in helping achieve that and be part of the process as well? And then you need to go tell them, I need your help. So that's a key piece. So if you do this in a team dynamic and have everyone share it, what, what's interesting is, you know, somebody will say, oh, I can help you with that. I can get X, Y, and Z for you, um, as opposed to feeling like I'm not clear and imagine if everybody were sitting around, you just went through what the last year has looked like, you're looking at what your next 90 days are, the entire team knows what we're focused on, that alignment makes a huge difference and we know how to help each other 
um, and so forth. And, and you'll also hear me talk a little bit in a minute about, at the bottom here, decide on the routine for progress check-ins. So some people will say, you know what, I'm fine just waiting till the next quarter to meet. And then you might have some employees that say, you know, it would be really helpful if we met every other week or weekly or once a month to check in on things. So that to me is really an area the team can check in, but you could also say, where, where, how much and how often do you need help from me when it comes to checking in and helping you stay motivated on track with your goals? So on a quarterly basis, of course, you'd look at those goals, celebrate your successes. And then this is really important, is if a goal was incomplete, taking the time to evaluate why. Um, it could be there isn't enough conviction in the room to, to focus on the goal. It could be that somebody doesn't have the skill set to do it. It may be that they didn't get the support that they needed. So really taking the time when a goal is not complete, not in a punitive discussion, but to dissect it and go, okay, if we aren't able to get this over the finish line, what's really happening? And do we, what do we need to do? Do we need to move it into the next quarter? Do we kill it? It wasn't <laughs> critical enough. Now that we see it, it's not as important now that we have a little time behind us. Do we need to put it on a fast track and create sort of a sprint thing where it's a weekly check-in? Or is it really need to be reassigned? And I don't think of that as failure, guys. I really don't. Like, we can have a goal that somebody's assigned to it and they're maybe just overcommitted. Um, or it just doesn't make sense that it's theirs. Or they don't have the right, like I said, skill to do it. But sometimes you have to reassign it. And you have to, if you've got the right culture, it's not about failure, it's about progress and making the team stronger at the end of the day. Again, I wouldn't do more than three or five goals per quarter, so you keep them, we call them rocks in the book. These are the rocks we're going to do. Make sure that at the end of the meeting, it's very clear who's going to do what, and make sure that you're focusing on people's strengths. So I was with a group a couple weeks ago, and one of the things we did was as they were redistributing some of the work, we were focusing on, well, who's best suited to take on these tasks, as opposed to just assuming that the function would transfer to one person or another, who's gonna thrill by this project or this initiative that would be the best suited for it? And then of course, making sure you have the right check-ins. <clears throat> so on our website, this is behind the fire at wall, so you have to log in actually to get to these, but I'm gonna go ahead and bring the website over here for just a second so you can see what's available. So here's our handy dandy um, website. You can go over here and go over to agency operations. And under agency operations, we've got a million, million toolkits and pieces of information. But what I'm going to focus on for just a minute is under human resources. And then we're going to go to performance management is, is the actual page we're going to go to here. So a lot of what I just talked about is actually in here. So this is a great way to talk about the annual review. But as we just said, it could easily be a, a midterm point. Um, we actually have this annual review document that you can reference and grab. And like I said, it's also a handout that you can see here. Move it over here. That's what it looks like. So it might say, let's identify our goals. Then you're going to look at what are my accomplishments, disappointments. So it's a soft copy. Anyone can work on there. And so this is a good tool and resource from a standpoint of comp keeping it alive throughout the year. So you could do a mid-year point and then have you at the end of the year 
do an update on it and bring it back. Because sometimes we just remember the last 90 days anyway. So this would be a good capture along the way with your team on how things work. Okay, in a little bit, I'm going to talk about when performance isn't working. So while I'm on this page, I'm going to share with you this performance improvement plan document that we have. Um, and this is addressing something that's not working. And one of the things we'll talk about in a second is, you know, addressing failure, addressing in poor performance quickly and off when it's needed is really a key piece. So I love this document. It's something that helps you go through the process of preparing for it. Um, I always say, you know, think about if you've got a poor performer on your team. If you don't address it, it, you will eventually become resentful of the situation or your employees will, your high performers. And we become resentful when we are guilty of not actually addressing it. So sometimes you have to start these meetings by saying, you know, I should have addressed the situation a long time ago and I let it run, ride itself out. And now, now we're at this point. So if you feel like, boy, how do I even bring it up? I, I think a few of you heard me say, I read a book a couple years ago and it said, if you're dealing with poor performance, you need to address it within five days of it happening or you've kind of lost your opportunity. I like the rule around it, the guide that says, you know, you might have to sleep on it, but doing it quicker is better. Um, if you don't address it, then you kind of have to wait. If it never happens again, then it's kind of irrelevant. If it does happen again, then that's the point that reminds you, okay, this time don't let it pass by without doing it. But this document forces you to sit down prior to the meeting and think about, first of all, what is the desired outcome of this conversation? Um, and if you lead with that in the meeting, I think in the culture code it talks about that, create that future connection. So the desired outcome of this conversation make it up, Matt, is that we have a really successful 2022-23 based on the fact that you're here and you're dependable and you're available to your team and the team has a strong dynamic. That's what we're going to lead with. Then go into the description of the situation and then you want to reference, okay, well, what, what? let's say he's not doing what he should do and people don't trust his work anymore. Well, part of our value um, is that there's integrity in everything that we do. Well, if there is an integrity, then it's tied to that value. Um, and then, of course, why do we even have that value in the first place? Like the whole comment here and theme around why. Then during the meeting, you'll actually talk about the issue, document the explanation, what's contributed to the situation. You might even have contributed to the situation by not addressing it. Um, figure out the commitment for the employee to correct and then you have the follow-up action items. And then I always say when you leave these meetings, put the follow-up meeting on the calendar immediately because we know two weeks goes by, three weeks, six weeks, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh. We said we were going to come back and address it in 30 days. It's been three months. And the employee doesn't know where they stand. You're frustrated. So make sure that you do those follow-up action items. Be clear about consequences because sometimes we're vague. Um, especially if we don't like conflict, and then always ask how you can help to be more successful. So if you're looking for a tool and a resource for having a you know, performance improvement discussion, um, this is a good tool and a guide to use as well. So hopefully that was helpful um, from the crew out there, and it is one of your handouts. So let me go back to the slides. We do this all right today. I'll be kind of impressed. All right. <laughs> um, 
Also, we have goal worksheets. So it's not sometimes, you know, we talk about the end result. Um, for sales specifically, if you know your metrics, um, if you want specific help on this one, let us know. Um, we can send it to you. Um, but this actually help, forces you to break down what your closing ratio is all the way from how many contacts it takes to actually get an appointment and how many appointments allow you to get to the proposal stage and how many proposals or quotes actually lead to closing, which will help basically take a bite out of uh, a, a goal for a salesperson down to the activity level that you need to be working at. So if someone's not achieving their end result in sales, sometimes it's about managing activities and then understanding why aren't you able to close? What's happening with that? What, when does it work? When does it not? Studying it and so forth. So make sure you use the resources that are available um, from a perspective of tracking and so forth your goals. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about is motivating. Um, and, and, you know, the big piece around here is starting to understand that you're focusing on people's strengths and not just managing around their weaknesses. And I think even in one of the comments is, is if you spend most of your time managing around somebody's weaknesses, then you probably have a casting error. Um, their role is not right for them. It's not suited for them. You want to be able to put somebody in a position that they can use their talents every day and be talented at what they do. So if you want to turn talent into performance, you have to position each person so that you are paying them to do what they're naturally wired to do. So if you don't understand what that is or it's unclear, and, and we'll talk about that next month. I'll get real deep into it with a few different assessments. But the trigger for me would be is if you're constantly thinking, boy, I wish they would just name it, be more organized or be more detailed, detailed or be more spontaneous or more adaptable, they're probably just not wired for it. So can you put them in a role that says, boy, if you're not detail-oriented, then let's not force you to be detail-oriented. Or if you're super detail-oriented and somebody's like, gee, I wish you just wouldn't be in the weeds that deeply, well, maybe we need to put them in a role that does celebrate the fact that they're researchers and detailed. And is there a way that you can actually leverage that strength for them as well? Um, we also talk about asking employees about their goals. So you guys have heard me talk about this many, many times. Um, and then I love this one. So if you don't know the answer to this for your employees, this would be a great conversation to have mid-year so that it's part of your path forward, which is asking them, what's the most meaningful recognition that you ever received and what made it so memorable and why? And in a minute, I'm going to have a page that actually has interview questions that are it's called your strengths interview that helps you dig in and get to know your employees just a little bit better. But I think it's fascinating when I understand exactly what's meaningful to somebody and we can use that. I think I've, I've read it somewhere. It's like your job as a manager is not to motivate, but it's certainly not to demotivate. <laughs> so let's make sure we know um, what's actually meaningful for our employees and so forth. Um, a reminder um, that you should be spending the most time with your most productive employees. So if you feel like you're spending a lot of time with your poor performers, you might want to think about why that is. First of all, you're sending a message to your employees that, hey, if you're making mistakes and you're a poor performer, you're going to get my attention and time. I want people to understand that I'm going to spend the most time with my most productive employees, not talking about their work necessarily, but their goals and their vision and making sure they've got the resources that they need to expand and develop. 
Um, so it's not about managing, it's about being a resource and helping them see the future. Um, I love this reminder here, which is be, become as articulate at describing excellence as you are at describing failure. We are great at describing failure, whether it's in a personal relationship, um, whether it's in a business forum, but can we actually describe what excellence looks like? And again, that reminds us of what's the outcome that you're looking for as well. And then as we've mentioned already, you really poor performance must be confronted head on. We all know it. It's one of those ugly little secrets in life that sometimes we just don't want to deal with it. Um, and you don't have to deal with everything, but if it's, if it's consistent and it, there's a theme, there's a pattern, um, you know, I would just challenge you to take the time this next week. If there's poor performance that you have not addressed, that can be one of the most motivating factors for a team is when you remove poor performance around them. So your high performers are actually excited about being on the team. All right, so you might want to take a picture of this screen. Of course, we'll have this available as well. This is in the book, um, First Break All the Rules. It, it's one of the versions. I know there's a couple out there, but it's around page 250. But this kind of talks about, look, on, a, on a, at least an annual basis, taking the time with your employees to understand their strengths. And I love this first question, what keeps you here? Do you know what it is for all of your employees? So, I, I you know, taking the time, and you could do this in a group environment too. Um, I, I still think this is something that might be valuable as a team, not just individually, but understanding what are your strengths, what do you see them as, what do you think your weaknesses are? Uh, again, reminder, if somebody feels like, to me, one of my weaknesses would be I'm not uber organized or very consistent about the way that I do things, but if my job doesn't require it very often, then it doesn't really show up as a weakness very often. So when we think somebody's got a weakness, the point is how do we adjust a role to, to put them in a position of strength as much as possible? What are your current goals for your role? That may be a little bit different than what they're, they're tracking to, but like how do you know that you're successful? Um, how often would you like to meet? So some people like to meet regularly. Some people are like, nah, I'm good once every six months. Um, but asking them that question. Uh, any personal goals you'd like to tell me about? Uh, again, we talked about praise, um, asking about productive partnerships and relationships. This is about learning. How can I be effective as a team member with you and what, what can I do to support you there? Talking about future growth and career goals. And then just an open, is there anything else you might want to talk about as we work to, to help us work together better? So making sure we take the time to do that as a team. And then also taking the time on this, the, the, the career perspective, right? So how would you describe success in your current role? What, what do you do that makes you good at who you are? This is a different set of questions. What part of your current role do you enjoy the most? What are you struggling with? And what would be the perfect role for you? And that starts to play with some creativity there around, and I like this comment here, imagine you're in that role, it's 3 p.m. on a Thursday, what are you doing? Why would you like it so much? Um, you know, that might help you clarify how to help someone tweak and get excited about their careers and so forth. So that kind of takes me to thinking about people and humans and what they're needing right now. And in a study that was just done recently, they're talking about well-being and we've all heard it, right? I mean, we hear about people talking about their health and well-being constantly now, um, but there's several ways that people are looking for well-being. It might be financial and making sure that we're set up correctly from that standpoint. 
Um, it could be your mental health and well-being. So these may be some questions you might want to ask your team. How are you feeling from a financial, mental, social, that's the company culture, your work-life balance, the physical well-being as well. So are we keeping ourselves healthy and so forth? And then finally, your career well-being, which is essentially what we're covering today. But again, going back to that holistic idea of do you know your team? Um, are you set up to understand it? Are you having these kinds of conversations and how do you build them into your regular um, team meetings and your goal setting? And wouldn't it be interesting if you had 90-day goals around one or two of these things with the group so that they felt like they were connecting in a different way, especially since they're probably not seeing each other as much as they could. I did think this was a fun, interesting nugget of information that came out in one of these studies as well that talked about as leaders, what are the top power skills for 2022? Not a surprise here at all, I'm sure. Um, but number one is being resilient and adaptable. Um, and so if you're struggling with that, you might find people on the team who are actually going with the flow and feeling better with that. And how can you leverage their strengths for that? Technology skills, obviously a must nowadays, even more so communication across remote and distributed teams, emotional intelligence, cross-functional. I think it's fascinating to hear this, right? Leading through change, change management, dealing with stress, time management, and creativity. So you might check the team feel like how your leadership team is doing in these things, because this really does talk about from what we need right now with our organizations is to be in this place, offering these kinds of resources and making sure that we're delivering and presenting these skills on a regular basis for our teams. So we're just about to wrap up. Um, I did want to talk about a book real quickly with you. Um, you. Many of you have seen Vanessa Van Edwards speak with us before. She's a great speaker. She has a great book out called um, Cues. So here it is. Um, if you are in Austin or you want a book, we have them. So you can let us know you want it. We'll be happy to send it over to you. Um, but it talks about, she talks about the difference between being warm and competent. And on the right side, you can sort of say, she says, do a quick test by choosing which column sounds more like you. Um, competent would be impressive, powerful, smart, capable, and expert and effective. Warm would be trustworthy, collaborative, kind, compassionate, a team player, open. And what they, she talks about in her book is how if you combine the two, you actually end up in that charisma mode. Um, but what I love about the book as I was getting ready for this meeting today and kind of glancing through it is that it reminds us different techniques, whether it's in writing or speaking, um, of what warm people need versus what competent people need in the way that we communicate with them. So just as a, for instance, it would, so she says, you know, warm people seek inspiration, competent people seek information. So when it, we talk about a competent friend, for instance, we might say, you're so interesting. You always give the best advice. I knew you would know what to do. I love working with you on projects. Those would be competence type comments where with, with warm people, they are, they're going to want to hear comments like, you're the best. You know how to get the party started. You always make me feel so comfortable. I love opening up with you. I trust you. Um, and what she talks about in here is how if somebody's real warm and you approach them from a competent side, you'll actually fall flat and vice versa. Um, if I'm real co the competent style and you're just trying to be playful and warm and fun, 
um, you actually can miss the mark there too and can be demotivating. So I think there's some fascinating tips here on communication, writing skills, emails, verbal cues, nonverbal cues that can actually help you be potentially more effective with your own team and what people need from that standpoint. So wrapping it up here, um, focus on the outcomes, not just telling people what the right steps are. Um, I encourage you to leverage the team environment. And so Matt, let me know if we have any questions or comments that people have. Um, understand your empl individual employees' communication needs. So we kind of touched on that at the end. And then when motivating someone, focus on their strengths. Um, that's much more motivating than trying to shore up people's weaknesses that probably you're not going to be too successful at anyway. So next month, we're going to talk about leveraging your team's mem team members' strengths. So think things like Colby, Gallup Strengths Finders, the Why, How, What assessments. Um, others of you use DISC and so forth, so that'll be a fun conversation. Um, I think now that if you've registered for Mornings with Mart, it just sits on your calendar, so you don't have to register individually. But if you want to get somebody else hooked in, that's great. And then next week, I will be with um, Kim Hudson doing a Lunch and Learn on Tuesday, and I'm going to talk about taking the risk out of selling. So if you want to attend that, please go ahead and register. That's for free and available to you guys. And hopefully that was a worthwhile 40 minutes of your lives, um, which you will never get back, unfortunately. Um, but please let us know if you've got anything. Matt, is there anything that we want to pop out here before we wrap up? Nope. Again, uh, I didn't see any questions. Oh, wait, something just popped up. <clears throat> Somebody asked if it's recorded. Yes, it is. It has been recorded. And later today, you should be getting an email with a link to the recording. Also, those handouts you referenced, you can get them on the website like Marit showed you, but you can also download them real quickly from the handouts bar right here. Um, you should also be getting a follow-up email um, from GoToWebinar with links to those. Great. Good. And if you have any specific questions, you guys know how to reach me. It's mpeters at iiat.org. So if you need any Specific questions answered. Happy to help you guys. Thank you for your membership. Thank, for thank you for joining us today. Have a great day. We'll see you in August. Maybe it'll be a little cooler. <laughs>